This is Cinema Activist, the official podcast of Lion's Den Productions, for filmmakers and cinephiles who crave context. So with me today is Jeffrey A. Brown, writer and director of The Beach House. Thank you so much for being here today, Jeff. Thanks for having me. What was your pitch for The Beach House uh, back back in the early days? How did how did you describe The Beach House? That goes back to one other. We went to the IFP, which is, are you familiar with IFP? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sophia brought our film to IFP, which actually led us to the to Andrew Corkin, who led us to Tyler Davidson. So that IFP was a good, very good uh, thing for us. And that is really speed dating for pitching. So at okay. first, you know, it's like the first couple times our pitch was really kind of awkward. And then by the end of it, we got really good at it. We we're like, this is what the movie is. Uh, so now I can't remember what it is. Now having to remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's the, the you know, uh, should I say it? It's, uh, yes. Yeah. Say, say what either what you remember it to be or what you would say now when somebody I, I says, mean, what is the beach house? What's the beach house about? The, the beach house is a science fiction horror film about a young couple struggling with the future of their relationship, uh, who discover unexpected guests at a, uh, at the titular beach house and things go downhill from there. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Unearth has a, has a similar one. Yeah. yeah what's, what's the land pitch? is drilled. Things go back. Go downhill from out. there. <laughs> yeah. Some doors shouldn't be opened. <laughs> That's right. Where did you have your first debut of the Beach House? Where was the first screening? Of it the beach it house? premiered at uh, uh, in Strasbourg at a European fantasy film festival in the fall of 2019 i think september of 2019 was our world premiere so you got in there before the pandemic yeah yeah we we had our kind of our brief festival run uh in the fall of 2019 uh it was pretty you know we went around a little bit uh i, I went to strasburg and i went to to Sitges in spain well, I'm so uh, and jealous. then <laughs> Yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. That's another Strasbourg was amazing. That was a great festival for us. Sitges uh, is enormous. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure as you know, and also you know, it's kind of tough uh, when your movie's small and you don't have like big names. Sometimes in those big festivals, uh, the names really go a long way. And so we kind of I felt in Sitges wasn't quite the right fit for us. Whereas Strasbourg and like the Brooklyn uh, Horror Film Festival, which is where our U.S. premiere was, those were mm-hmm. really great vessels for a film like ours now at any of these early ones did you have a sales agent or distributors on board then or were you on your own totally uh i was kind of kept out of a lot of that um i did i did know that we had our we're our we premiered on shutter we're still on shutter right now which you can you know you can still see us on shutter and and itunes and thank you I knew Shutter was going to happen before our U.S. premiere, okay. um, but it was it was hush hush. You couldn't um, announce it. Couldn't announce it, but yeah, I I, I was. They kind of kept me out of the loop over a lot of that stuff. Uh, you mean as far know. as like the producers and stuff, they were handling the business side, or absolutely, yeah. Okay. I, I was not. Uh, I mean, my background is, as we were kind of saying beforehand, is in physical production. You know, my background is in locations and. 
one of the big i'm sure and i are you guys self-distributing or what do you what is no your... we we're we held on to our theatrical and our mm -hmm. blu-ray rights which i'm curious to talk to you about because um well that that's a whole sidebar which we'll get into but uh mm -hmm. we we held on to those um but otherwise we had a sales agent international and one a different one domestically and uh, you know so we're kind of like different distributors all all over the place kind of yeah thing. i amp i think amp represented us okay yeah in, in whatever that is again like i i i i i'm not this is not my forte like that was i i worked on you know over probably 100 productions in 20 years you sure have <laughs> getting into you know distribute sales agents and all that was really really foreign to me post was foreign to me as well okay where a lot of it was kind of falling on my shoulders and i was like just gonna be really upfront. i don't know what i'm doing i can figure it out but you know a lot of that stuff i didn't I, I kind of really felt my way through it but especially when it came to sales and any of that stuff i was really out of my element and you know, thankfully our producers, we, there were, um, we, we had three major producing entities when we shot it, uh, low spark, which is Tyler Davidson's company. Oh, yeah. yep. Um, Sophia Lynn was my producer kind of, and then Andrew Corkin, who is uncorked. Those are the three kind of big, uh, they're not even big. I mean, they're the three producers, but they, Tyler and, and Andrew really do have a good track record with festivals and with distribution. You know, they've made movies that people could pay money to see, which I always feel is like, you've won an indie film if, if you can do that. Um, mm -hmm. Cause it's not always the case. And then, um, so they, once we kind of got into that, once the film was ready for that, they really took it. And then uh, I don't know how, I don't know who got us with shutter, but that was like, that's was, a big one. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. like the home, the home for horror pretty much in the streamers. Right. I mean, it's a good spot. It, it's a good spot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, really, uh, props, props to you for sure. Thank That's, you. Um, yeah, Shutter is one of the the few uh, for genre films that um, you know hand, handle it really well. So yeah, it's a good it, it was, and, yeah, and it was really uh, just kind of a, a lot of the stars lined up for us in that. You know, it was timing. Mm -hmm. We shot our film. I, you know, I wanted to ask you, like, how many how many days did you shoot? <laughs> when did you shoot it? And how was, okay, how was sure. the process? <laughs> so uh, ours was an 18 day shoot. So oh. six, six and six. What was what was yours? 18 days. Holy shit. Yeah. How about six, that? six and six. Did you do two <laughs> days off? No, we didn't. We just did Sundays, Sundays oh. off. Our assistant director would not do one day off. And we had a lot of day and night, so yeah. we couldn't go night on a Friday to a morning. So he re he was really, we're doing two days off. And it was a non-union shoot, it was very small, so we could, you know, we could fucks with the, the work days yeah. or the work weeks. Um, but if I had to do over again, I would not do six days. I think, yeah. I, I, I don't- It's intense, I, man, right? I felt that this <laughs> after lunch on the sixth day, my mm -hmm. brain was mush. Um, mm -hmm. I felt that our, cause when you're doing small movies, it's like, you know, the leads are in a lot of it. So Liana, I could tell she was very tired. And I think horror is, is something that I really learned is, is how physically exhausting it is on, on the talent. actors. Yeah. And not just in terms of stunts, you know, they, they were doing a lot of stunts too, but it's, a, mm -hmm. you know, to emotionally, be scared for three weeks straight, you know, or 
yeah. uh, on our movie they were scared for like you know two weeks straight but like uh <laughs> it's very exhausting and to I maintain that, that emotional intensity right like it, yeah it would it would break dr- it would break you and i probably <laughs> i mean it's 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 definitely something i've taken into consideration with with future projects just kind of seeing yeah. if the actress has a background with with horror or with stunts or with something that that can bring that level of intensity and maintain it because it is a physical that, that's a physical act you know it's not yeah. an intellectual yeah. and um that i noticed on the sixth day was just like productivity after lunch was just down the toilet. Yeah. everyone was just like when is this going to be o- when's today going to be over and i don't i don't like you know i i don't like that <laughs> no that's not good and we yeah. just so you know we had to fire our ad on the second second day um mm. so so we were flying a bit blind and had to improvise uh for the rest rest of the shoot basically so you know i that's i I'm, i don't like hearing you know i'm sorry to hear that yeah uh, it was it's not a good not a good choice it's it's a tough um one of the things with with beach house is that we i really wanted it to be flexible and we were very our schedule was like kind of a joke not a, i don't mean that in a bad way i mean like you had a lot like, of nights right you had to have been doing i mean there's a lot of night stuff yeah, in your film <laughs> well it's tour you know, yeah. we we, <laughs> stay up all night you feel you come like a vampire it's like it's i like that feeling of seeing the sunrise and it's quiet and you know i i don't know how many days i think we went into nights on our third day and like kind of stayed there yeah that's yeah, fine you know i don't know i'm a night person so i don't i didn't really that can be um, tough too though like i think psychologically like ending your day as the sun's coming up can can be kind of weird in a in a whole other sense you know, well, for the cast I, and the crew, I you were to, fine. You, I want. They were fine. They loved it. I wanted to go there, though. I wanted, you know, I wanted the the movie, you know, the setting of it and the mood of it and the atmosphere was to be a little off. So yeah, I, I'm just like thinking back now. I'm thinking about the the movie about what scenes we were fighting daylight, where the sun's coming up, and there were some where we were really like scrambling to get those last shots before the sun just ruined it. You know. Right. When did you shoot? When did you do your 18 days? We production? shot in the spring of 2017. Okay, we shot summer of 18. Yeah. Aug- August of 18. So you had a long post. We did. We, it was in a viewable stage, I think, by December or January of, of 2018. And then okay. our next year was very, very slow for a lot of reasons. Um, Do you want to get into any of those struggles? Well, what's the the, the old saying is you get, it can either be cheap, good, or fast. Mm -hmm. You only get two of the three. And so we went uh, cheap and good, I I hope, as opposed to fast. It just, um, there are a lot of digital effects in our film, uh, way more than you probably can tell. Yeah, which is good. That's good. you saying that uh, we get that a lot on Unearth too, which I like hearing, right? Like, was there a I lot like, of digi- yeah? I mean, more than you would think. It's a lot of like um, enhancements and like hiding things. Mm-hmm. You know, what what about with you guys? Was it uh, like, and some of ours was fixes too. Like we sometimes we would have a shot where like a curtain right right there in the background is like closed in in one yeah. shot and then open in another and we're like oh what the hell how did I, th- miss I mean that? that was another thing that you know I've done on some of the the locations work I've done I've dealt with VFX units which I think helped mm-hmm. but the we're dealing with budget levels that are much much different where money I I always feel on low I mean I I my 
pedigree is in New York City, which is its own entity in terms of filming. But, you, you know, on a big budget movie, the problem is always space and size. It's like, how, where do we put everybody? Where, do, where does everybody go? On indie, it's always budget. There's never, it's, it's no matter what, the, the, dic, the dictator is the, is the money. It's like everything is way too expensive. And how can you do it for less? And so we went in Beach House wanting to be as practical as possible. I still mm-hmm. love, uh, I, I do think that the digitization of, of science fiction and horror is, is not helping necessarily. And I don't think that it's, I'm not a, a Luddite. I'm not, I'm not saying that like, Oh, digital is bad. I, I think it's right. just another tool. It's another paint, you know, it's another paintbrush. It can be uh, a but crutch. I, I think it's a crutch. I, I think mm-hmm. it, I think it has to do with speed. I think that, you know, mm-hmm. when we were shooting and I, I noticed in unearth, you have a lot of like, there are some kind of gooey close up shots, which I'm assuming you guys did without actors. Um, I think some of the practical stuff, you know, I love David Cronenberg and, you know, he was really making his movies before digital was kind of taking over. He was an innovator in digital with, you know, dead ringers and stuff where they started moving the line for split screens. And I mean, he's, he's innovator in so many ways, but, you know, I think that what I noticed is shooting practical effects with actors mm-hmm. is like way slower than trying to do performance performance to me is lightning in a bottle it's like you're trying to get them to get those little moments that they're not thinking about and then then you go from like let's do 20 setups in in you know six hours let's move as fast as we can you know do do just keep going like grab the camera let's you know do that and then you just go to like slow and we're gonna set up for two hours <laughs> yeah yeah, and, that was and, a big learning thing, I would say, for, for Dorota and I as well, is that the setup time required on practical. And it was like our special effects supervisor would um, try to explain that to us of, you know, give as much time as you can for this stuff. And you, yeah. I didn't really realize that, yeah, that can mean like it can mean f- like four hours, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. I mean, it's like stunts. It's like, you know, a, a stunt will take five hours to get everybody set up, get all the cars ready, get, and then you get like one or two goes at it. I mean, now they would have like 10 cameras going, Yeah, which is something else I would probably do. And we did it. We used, did you guys ever use two cameras? We um, did. Yeah. yeah we, I, we didn't plan for it. Did you plan, plan for using two from the get go? Definitely did. I mean, the okay. biggest one for us was the dinner scene, which is, it, mm-hmm. I was, for some reason I was really scared of how long it was like, the the final product is the the original dinner scene was much longer oh, okay and we shot like 10 pages in six hours with two cameras mm. and so we designed it to be that i watched um michael winterbottom is a is a yeah. director i really really like yeah, and so we watched too. the trip and okay. we, yeah. we watched how they covered a dinner scene with four people on that mm-hmm. i mean we, we pretty much ripped it off but i felt that i what the way i wanted it to feel and and i think that you know liana our lead in the beach house, like her performance really kind of shows kind of what it, it like, that was like what we were going for. I mean, all the actors do well in that, but it yeah. was her in particular is like those close little moments that we could get with two cameras. Um, but doing practical effects, a lot of them, we, um, you know, as you said, we had to clean them up with some digital stuff. I, yeah. I think much, much more than we had anticipated. And that is comes to my Ditto. inexperience a little bit with that. You know, I, I mm-hmm. it, it, ultimately as you know is like the director it's all on you you know it mm-hmm. all it all it, in the end it's you it's your name on it and all that and so i think that you know that we were a little bit optimistic um and, and i think production is not optimistic it's pragmatic so i'm like <laughs> yeah. 
I, w- I was a little bit like, yeah, this will work out. It'll work out. Right. Of course. Because you have to you have to be that guy, too. Right. Like, yeah, I am not a positive. You can't person. be like, oh, my God, everything's fucking up. We're, we're screwed. Well, <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not positive in that. I'm usually not optimistic, but I think we were really hoping that some things would work out better than they did. That said, after mm-hmm. going through the process of shooting and seeing what we could do in post and how far our money could go, which was not far in yeah. terms of digital effects, uh, I would have, there's definitely simple, I don't see simple solutions. And so there's a lot of things I would have done. There's definitely a simple solution to what we wound up doing that we didn't do. Gotcha. And I, to do it over again, sure. knowing what the digital, what costs money digitally, you know, like rotoscoping and fog is very mm. expensive. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And you had a lot of like, yeah, you had fire, you had fog, you had all, all kinds of stuff going on there. Yeah. And, and, and I'm thinking was, like just the end, you know, with the flat, the flashing uh, orange light there. Yeah. You had tons, tons of that going. Yeah. You had tons had of like elements. Eight, eight smoke machines where they would just you run around, turn them all on and we would roll. And then wind was a big problem. Like we mm-hmm. shot in Cape Cod and it's very windy. And so aspiring filmmakers, if you're watching, don't shoot fog when it's windy. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't work. Uh, it, but if it was under three miles an hour, you couldn't do any fog, which, wow. you know, again, it's like maybe in retrospect, finding a garage that was big enough that we could just do the fog and like, open you know contain it in a way there are some fog shots that i think worked really well where we could contain it but you know the exterior ones were really tough and so that was kind of going back to what we were saying about with the ad rad designed the script to be to shoot to be very flexible so that it wasn't just rain you know we couldn't shoot in the rain but also our movie was supposed to be sunny and we got four days of sun out of like, you know, out of the whole run of it. So it's like, if it was sunny, we got to go shoot the beach. Right. If it's not windy, we got to shoot the fog scenes. And so we had to, and then it's rainy and all this other shit all the time. You had to adapt so, and you only have three weeks. Yeah. It, but we did it. We, yeah, we were, that was, it was like every night I'd, I'd get home and, and that was when I would know what we were shooting the next day. I mean, you know, our parameter and also we weren't totally cast when we started shooting. So oh, okay. it was exciting. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Did you have your tough. did you have your two leads? We had the two leads. Okay. Uh yeah. and then we we our adults came. Okay. I think I think they came when we had started shooting already. So Well, that was... kind of works cuz you have a little buffer there and there's there's some I mean there's I don't want to yeah. spoil the plot, but there's uh there's parts that you could shoot out I I would imagine with your two leads, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you had... I mean, I wanted to shoot in order as much as possible. And I went out the window on day three. It was yeah. like, hey, we're shooting that scene that's at the end of the movie now. Oh. But I mean, it's not quite as bad as uh what is it, an eraser head where they he opens a door and walks through it two years oh, later. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah, that bad, right. but it, you know, that was I think some of the things I'm re- I'm most proud of with the movie are the stuff that people would never notice mm-hmm. is like there are definitely intercut shots that were shot weeks apart, sometimes months apart. Wow. We didn't do any we did like one day of pickups after the shoot. Okay. That was like in October. So Yeah. We did some I, stuff without actors, like, you know, the drone stuff and the oh, car yeah. car driving down at the end and all that was like weeks later. Yeah. I, I feel like that's something that and I went to film school. I don't know what you're, you know, I, I think that that's, that's a whole other conversation, but like the pickup day of inserts without actors for a low budget film is mm-hmm. like, you got to do it. Like that was, yeah. we went back, the DP and I went to Cape Cod in 
I think two months after we'd finished, we had we started getting our assembly together. Then we shot in my apartment a lot. There's a oh, okay. lot of footage that was done in my apartment. Oh, really? That like you bed, never bedroom stuff? The bedroom? If, if there's anything without an actor in it, it's probably from my apartment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just like wow. inserts of sinks. It was oh, okay. like hands. You know, my hand mm. is in the movie a lot. Um, <laughs> But that kind of came from our editor, who is really Aaron Crozier, who's very, you know, pretty experienced in, he does a lot of documentaries as well as, as horror. And uh, he would just be like, hey, you need to, we need another shot here. And they'd be like, <laughs> really? And he's like, yeah. But that's something I think, I think that's also experience is just like kind yeah. of telling you what is, you know, the, the punctuation or the rhythm of the scene is like, well, it's going to go to a close-up of a door shutting. And it's like, oh, well, we need we need that. I didn't know, you know, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking, sure. I think broad, I mean, there's a lot that the, our rough cut of the movie was like almost three hours long. It was like, Whew. yeah, it was, wow. it was, that was a drink at night. I was like, oh my how long geez. was your, how long was your script? Because you, you wrote too. Okay. Yeah, so. it, the, the, it was nice. Oh, so pages. you had it like it was a really slow burn, I would assume, then, right? Slow and low is the tempo. That's okay. how that was, was like, <laughs> if you think you're going too fast, you are go slower. Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah, our rough cut was, I think, two hours and 45 minutes. The assembly of everything before we even started getting inserts and, and kind of yeah. molding the movie, it was every line of dialogue was like that was two hours and 45 minutes wow, wow. and I, the editor was like hey you know he's saying the same thing three different ways two uh-huh. are going and i was like oh really that's so poetic <laughs> and nice and I was like, nope, it's going uh how long was your rough cut or what was your script how long was your script our script was i'm gonna say 96 and then we like we had our locations fell through like uh boat but like you know, because our situation, we needed two neighboring farms, right? And we wanted to show them in those shots and show the isolation. So you had to, for us, we had to find two locations at once. Um, so I, I had that, and then they fell through like about, man, I want to say like a month ahead of production which like nice. made me shit my pants right uh, location sucks on the low budget <laughs> realm doesn't it yeah you you know more than more than anybody Ooh, it's I, need, I needed a uh before directing jeff brown uh definitely but then then um well my I'll boss, always advise yeah, well, yeah go, go ahead go ahead no Which, no 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 what were you gonna say that was just gonna say then my my boss from my day job uh said well you know there's two farmhouses right next to my house and i was like all right let's go out there and actually that increased the scale too because the two farmhouses we had originally were really small really mm-hmm. small productions and this kind of like gave us the space we needed to like have that gas well site there and and then we added into the story because then the highway really is in the background of, of the one house and added that into the storyline and so it was it ended up like being a blessing actually because we had more space more room and yeah. otherwise we would have been like on top of each other in the other houses yeah yeah locations is horrible it, i mean it's <laughs> it's a um it's an art. I mean, it's some of those things do, you know, I, I do feel that sometimes you lose one to, to, you know, you, 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 it, it helps. Like sometimes that random thing can really benefit, you know? Yeah. Um, 
we when did we i, I mean yeah did we, you write we, this with your locations in mind i was gonna ask you that were you familiar with uh this area no, i was vaguely familiar with it like a dream i didn't like grow up going there but i'd been there two or three times before randomly i had a uh i mean the whole thing kind of comes around a, a date that went awry for me so oh no shit um, so that's the origin that's where it starts well, I, I think the origin really comes from like the the basic idea of it was, which was four people in one house, was from years and years and years ago when I was younger. My college roommate and I were on the Jersey Shore, and we were at a, at a beach house, and we said something about how these beach houses were all really great locations because a lot of them are unrenovated, a lot of them are pretty big, and we're like, mm -hmm. you know, why don't they ever why don't they ever set a movie at a, uh -huh. at a beach house? And so that was like that was the idea of it. And then I, I think I wrote a couple versions of it, like, I mean, a long time ago and they were not good. And it was like more <laughs> of a psychological, uh, there was no supernatural element, no science fiction -y at all. At that point, I was just really trying to get, you know, two couples running around chasing each other with knives and it just didn't work. It was, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't quite a writer yet. And gotcha. It was just, so then I put it away and then it, how long it, ago do you think what you're, you were, this version, like that version of the story before you picked it back up again, I guess is what I'm curious. I'd huh. say 2004. 2004. Oh, wow. So I have them. I, have the, I can't read them though. I'm afraid to read them, but like th 10 that, years or something before you picked it back up. Oh Just, yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. And well then what happened was, is that our producer, Sophia Lynn was a friend of mine uh, socially and we worked together. I location managed a couple movies for her and we had, we had friends in common and all that. And she was having a, a tough time on a, well, we were having a drink and discussing making independent movies. And sometimes, you know, sometimes people in the film industry go figure are not real nice. And so she was having trouble on something. Yeah. And so, I, and so I said, Let, let's, let's make, you know, let's make a one, you know, one of my scripts, let's do that. And she's like, Oh, okay. And, and she was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I, then I was like, oh man, which one? And so then I, I looked at the at the beach house again and I was, I was like, well, this all, and this is, I'd say 2011, 2012. Okay. Yeah. And so I did a, a rewrite of it to try to get, and that's when the kind of cosmic horror, that's what I was reading at the time. Uh -huh. And that kind of parlayed into like nonfiction science, which I still read. And, and those were the ones that really influenced kind of the, what became the eco horror yeah. more so uh, than, than much else when I just started reading that because uh, there's a kinship between cosmic horror, which is like, you know, Lovecraft is the standard bearer of cosmic horror, right. but um, some of the more obscure things, but there's really a kinship from Lovecraft and his, the people who influenced Lovecraft really. And then uh, um, like William Hope Hodgson, not to get too literary nerdy, but like. Not familiar, but they're, I'll, they're, I'll have to look them up. That, well, he's, you know, he's writing in the 1890s or 19, 1900s, mm -hmm. kind of when science and, and uh, Darwinism was kind of getting into, you know, uh, science and science fiction. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of science fiction, as we know, it didn't. It, I mean, it's a newer genre. It didn't really right. exist, you know, 150 years ago. There's always precedents. You know, I feel that, you know, Dante's Inferno and the Bible are horror those are horror stories for sure with people being punished you know yeah. for their sins yeah. you know so I, I think horror is there's an element of that you know and halloween is you, you have sex and you get punished for right. it which is a reaction to you know free love and whatever so in this did you because you had it sounds like you had kind of a straight up either like a um 
like a slasher or a invasion or something maybe was your original concept with this did you you know how much of it was considering audience and you know kind of the timeliness of ego horror coming back up or is that all coincidental it's not coincidental is not uh, man I, I can talk for days i'm just gonna warn you <laughs> it's all good um, man that's what we're here for the 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 cause the the cosmic horror of reading lovecraft and and um you know all those guys the guys that influenced him and his direct the people that he influenced directly like he had a whole circle of writers that he mm -hmm. corresponded with because he was a scared sickly little man who didn't go out you know i mm -hmm. mean he's also horribly racist too which is mm -hmm. you know another another aspect of him which is is it's part of him it's part of what he's writing but it's it's not it's a bad part of it. He's not a great guy. He, yeah. he's, he, he, as much as I admire his imagination, he has an amazing imagination and his skills of description as a human being. He's pretty despicable. Um, mm -hmm. That said, that also influences why he's writing what he's writing. You know, he he has a problem with people, and so yeah. he destroys them over and over again. Um, but it was it was just seeing how cosmic horror and then how that lent itself into deep history and like thinking of the earth not as just the history of humanity but the the earth is like the broad scope of the earth which is something that i was interested in and so mm -hmm. when you're saying thinking about the audience the audience was me i i was right i wanted to make a movie that when i had insomnia and i put on a horror movie late at night which is what i like watching at two in the morning when i can't <laughs> sleep because your brain and, you... and, and it, not and it, it's like you know you're Not like, oh, now I feel better. <laughs> I, I just like where my imagination goes at that time uh -huh. of night, you know, and when you're when, you know, and, and they're not necessarily like the scariest horror film, you know, like I love the movie The Wraith, which is this 80s hmm. movie. Perfect to watch at two in the morning when you can't sleep. I uh -huh. don't know why. And if you like half pay attention, uh, but I wanted to make that I wanted to make that movie for myself who had insomnia, the, you know, that gotcha. th I think then seeing that movie in a theater with people was kind of an inter. It was like, huh, because that, that's another thing about the rhythm. We were kind of talking about that before, about the rhythm yeah. of the scenes. When you're, when you're thinking about an audience and an audience is going to react. Yeah. I mean, that can also be maybe problematic, but that's something with a, a newer project that I'm working on. I'm really thinking about Mm -hmm. that screening with you know that with the with the with an aught with a full crowd yeah. because that was like in Strasbourg we saw they, they played it at a big like on a massive screen and I was like oh my this is not and <laughs> I was always telling him to get it louder it's like how loud can we make yeah. the movie make it louder yeah um, <laughs> but that was it was more about me it was more about the movie that I wasn't seeing and that was you know that's something that that I think a PA on a movie had told me we were talking about going into directing and that the the a filmmaker should always not be satisfied with what they're seeing because that's mm -hmm. why you're making another movie uh -huh. it's like you know and especially with horror you know i think that at that point when i started it this elevated horror thing that has kind of taken right. hold you know I, I really blame the babadook which i think is the best horror movie of the 2010s i mean i think that really started it and then like it follows and get get out and the witch. you know uh the witch I mean, Robert Eggers is like doing something else com complete. I mean, right. but he is allowed to make that movie because yeah. of the steps that were made mm -hmm. before. Because I mean, the lighthouse is bonkers. That's like, yeah. Yeah. that's bonkers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I admire it. I, is this something I want to watch every day? No, yeah. but I just so admire the imagination that made 
the lighthouse and and us i loved us i thought that was an amazing film so our film you know i was we were dreaming of it back in 2011 yeah and then after two years of trying to get the funds i mean we'd always i worked for a company called indigent uh when i first started making movies in in locations which was hundred fifty thousand dollars to shoot it, hundred fifty thousand oh, dollars to yeah, finish it. Oh yeah, I remember it. this. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. That they was a shoot cool them in company. fifteen days. It yeah. was. It was a good experiment. The the kind of the director who was behind it, he passed away, Gary Winnick. Mm. But I, I always I man pieces of April was an indigent film, mm-hmm. and that was and I worked on a couple of those when I was like in my early twenties, right out of film school, uh, just doing locations and figuring out you know figuring it out the wrong way um having things fall through like the day before and you're like oh my what are we gonna do we are boned you know it's <laughs> like and but you always i don't like i don't like the phrase oh it'll you know it, it'll work itself out because yeah. like in locations no i'll work it out like yeah. somebody's gonna work it work it out <laughs> the director's not gonna worry about that but somebody's <laughs> gonna work it out and that person mm-hmm. is gonna be me mm-hmm. it's gonna be me staying up all night and calling everybody i know or or you know pounding the pavement until i until we solve it um but at that for you know at that stage there's a bit of uh naivete helps mm-hmm. with locations because you know they'd rather the 24 year old kid who obviously doesn't know what he's doing. He'll take the fall. Whereas the 40 year old man who's directing it, (laughs) who should know better. He's not going to take the fall. You know, it's like, we'll throw the kid to the wolves. He'll get some gray hair. He'll, he'll come out on the other side. Okay. Um, What do you classify the beach house as like, you know, there's all these boxes I'm noticing all the time because I, I wasn't a huge horror person. Um, but I found like as soon as you one of your genres that is are listed to describe your film is horror, all of a sudden, you know, then you're into this niche genre group of like very diverse, rabid uh, fans, you know, and there's all these classifications. There's body horror, there's Lovecraftian, like this um this weekend, our film, it's still playing in uh, in festivals, and it's playing in uh, Bifon, which is in South Korea, in Bucheon. Oh, wow. You can't go, obviously. No, which sucks. What a bummer. They God. still have, in South Korea, you have to quarantine for two weeks, even if you have your shots, from if you're coming from out of town. So, yeah, like a, a hotel for two weeks before the festival, no. But oh. they have, like, um, they do... They have 50 different icons. They actually have a chart, uh, like a key, with all the different types of horror. And they have, like, you know, metamorphosis, schoolgirl, ghost, magic, disaster, necrophilia, all these things. So I'm, I'm like, learning, you know, everybody <laughs> kind of has their niche. And it's almost like little... Um, I mean, it's not like kinks. I don't want to make it sound like that. But, you know, everybody kind of has their thing, right? And yeah. once you see the word horror, um, I've found it's interesting, you know, taking the dramatic approach, which I feel like you definitely do as well, right? Like the slow burn, dramatic, character-driven that, yeah, then gets weird and gets intense and things happen. But... um People have their own expectations, I feel like, especially in horror. And I'm curious how you found that experience with your film that's kind of a mashup of different things. I, yeah, I, I I mean, we were going for modern cosmic horror. Okay. And and that was that was my goal. And like mm-hmm. even we did 
early fundraising. I, I made a short in 2013, which is what really lit the candle okay. um, for getting funding. Because we is tried that for short two- out somewhere. Can yeah, can I called, watch it? Can people yeah. watch it? <laughs> it's called Sulfuric. It's okay. on YouTube. Uh, oh, okay. it, it it had a good festival run. It, it premiered at Fantastic Fest. Great. And Congrats. I didn't know anything about festivals either. So that mm-hmm. was like kind of when I talked to young filmmakers. I I, I tried. I don't talk to young filmmakers, but when I, if I do, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm always like, don't listen to anybody, just put your head down and make your movie. And then with the festivals really do your research. Cause there's a million festivals and it's great to have it in 50 or a hundred, but really there's, if you, if you're short, <laughs> film, it's also expensive to do that. Yeah. As I said, it's, that's going to be, if you put it in a hundred festivals, it's going to be more than, you know, whatever little money you spend on your, on your short. Yeah. But I said, you know, in terms of, lighting a candle to make another project some festivals are better than others and i said you know it's good to do research about which ones and for us for sulfuric we shot it in a day we shot it in my apartment it was you know very very low budget i like figured out how much money i could spend which is like a week i think two weeks of work and then i that would be it and so that was our cap and that's what we did Mm -hmm. um but thankfully it was you know there are elements of it in the beach house but it's on youtube um, but the fantastic fest screening was really the big one. Cause great like from festival. that, yeah, great it, it was, it was just, you know, we played some local ones too. Um, but that one really helped. It, it just kind of, it kind of made us, I think made the beach house be taken a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me taking a bit more seriously as a filmmaker and not as, you know, the location manager, which a lot of people were like, you're a location manager. What are you, uh-huh. you know, please. Wow. And then of course they're, crappy movies you know you kill yourself for <laughs> right. uh, anyway that's that's the bitter side sorry no it's all good uh, so straight talk we got straight talk here it's good but sulfuric from that to to the beach house and then it was the rewrites of beat there were a lot of rewrites of the beach house but it was always the cosmic horror and then of course right after we shot beach house you know the the color out of space right which is my favorite of the lovecraft stories it's not quite like his other ones but i think it's the scariest i think it's his best one do you think because i haven't read i haven't read that isn't one of the ones of his i've read is the um the tone of the film similar to the tone of the of the book I would say yes. Okay. I mean, that right. I, it, it's like if you only read one Lovecraft story, I, I would say that one. I mean, that's a controversial statement. Okay. Um, but of course, then it's like we finished shooting and they're like, oh, hey, they're making a movie of Color Out of Space. And I was like, oh, really? And <laughs> I was like, who's who's doing it? And they're like, oh, Spectre Vision, which I already knew uh, from Mandy and from a right. couple other movies. And I was like, oh, man, they're a great company. That's going to that's gonna be good. And I was like, who's making it? And they're like, well, Richard Stanley is coming out of retirement. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. <laughs> and, of course, it came out right before our movie. And so it's like, well, this, is, this isn't this is that different from Colorado Space. And I was like, I didn't want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not what we wanted to happen. We've gotten but, that a lot, just so you know. Uh, with Colorado with, Space. With Unearth is like, Oh, it's like a color out of space, but like boring with farmers. And we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. I don't even, I didn't, I saw color out of space. Like once it came out on um, disc, I had yeah. to rent it because I was like, all right, so many people are referencing this in reviews and stuff, you know? And that's why I was wondering about the tone because I feel like, yeah, there's similarities. I guess there's similarities to any kind of certain type of story elements right but the tone to me was like so different that i i wouldn't compare 
I, I don't think there's a comparison there. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it's it. They're it's all a little cousins. wacky. It's a little yeah. wacky. <laughs> I, I, the, well, there's also like eco horror, which is something I'd never really thought about with the beach house. And that was kind of a. But I totally did when I saw it, which I did. I surprise you in my email when I was like, I want to talk about like, uh, you know, I'll talk about anything. I mean, I love movies. Have I seen a lot of eco-horror films? Absolutely. Uh, but it was not a conscious... I mean, there are very clear references or, or influences on, you know, on the beach house. Um, but I wasn't thinking eco-horror at all. I was, you know, I, I really kind of wanted to come at it from an abstract okay. place. And that yeah. was like... And, and also just to see a horror film that I hadn't seen before. I mean, I think that... We get a lot of oh, it's like the mist or the fog, which I think is a really superficial comparison. Yeah, uh, for sure. I also I love John Carpenter, and the fog is not one of his good ones. So I was like a gotcha. little like oh, it's no, it's no the fog, and I was like, all right, well, pirate <laughs> ghost movie, go ahead, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. And as you'll see, I won't horror, tell Adrian you said that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, because she's in that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Eh, I'm sure you know she's in a she was uh, anyway. She's in a bunch of, of John Carpenter. Yeah, movies. yeah. Um. Horror fans are very, I mean, I'm a horror fan. That was something that I think. So are you got, picky? Yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is like, because that was a new experience for me. Like, are you? They are. They're the true believers, my man. They are picky. They're in. Well, <laughs> there's they, rules. It's like there's rules to things. And like, you. I, I like breaking the rules, though. So I, in a way, I'm I'm happy that it's like device that ours is divisive. I feel like yours is divisive, too. Do you yeah. feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as long as somebody likes it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like it. My, you know, my wife likes it. We're like, that's good. My friend, you know, uh, I, th that was something I was not prepared for, by the way, the social media aspect of uh -huh. everybody giving their two cents on the film. And I think you, yeah. I think after you've made a movie and been through it, I mean, I really feel like it's getting punched a lot making a movie. Like, yeah, you got, you got to get those arms up cause they're coming. And, um, it's like, you know, that the, the peanut gallery of comments, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad people like it. Sometimes when people dislike it, I really like reading the reviews. Of the oh yeah. Harsh yeah. Ones. yeah. Um, but the, the only response is to make your own film. And if you, if you're really that, you know, that incensed by something, and that's kind of like with me, I think I had worked on a lot of movies and seen a lot of movies where I'm like, they're just not getting it. Like, how is this movie? They're getting twenty million to make this film, right. and it's horrible. Like, how is yeah. that possible? And then the only response is to make your own film. There's, yeah. there's nothing else. Like, we're talk is cheap, so it's like go, go make your own film, and sh and you'll see what it's like. You'll see when the sun's <laughs> coming up, and the actors are tired and mad at you, and everyone's looking at you like you're an idiot, and you're yeah. like. Okay, guys. This isn't this is David Fincher when you have like an entire day to shoot just like people picking up a coffee cup and getting that close up. You know, like we can't do that. We can't do that we, stuff we here. But you know, but we we I, I, like that was something. Uh, that was something where I was like, everyone's like, oh, that's crazy how Kubrick and Fincher would do hundreds of takes. And then while we're shooting it, I, I think we got one shot that was like eight or nine takes. Most of them were two or three. Yeah, we just move probably on. Same for us too. I, I um, say, there, yeah. there, there's like one or two that we got into the eight nine range, but as we were shooting, I was like, I totally get it. I see why they're just like, well, we'll just do it again. It's like, sure, everything's set up. If the money is there, yeah, let's, if the money is you know, there, of course. 
And, and if the actors are game, I think it gave Tom Cruise an ulcer, which I think is is not like, you know, he seems like a pretty hardy dude. Like, yeah. yeah he really pushed him. <laughs> yeah. Tom Cruise is a believer. He he's he thinks he's superhuman. So if he broke Tom Cruise, that's saying something, right? Well, the, but the, I mean, an actor like Tom Cruise, it's like he commands that, you know, you're getting, you're paying, you're investing whatever, 20 million in him. Yeah. That dude's delivering, you know, he is yeah. going to deliver. And and I th- I've seen that with a lot of, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for, for actors. I think I need to get a bad rap because they are so, you know, they're public figures kind of unwittingly in a weird right. way. It's like, yeah. it's just the nature of the beast and they're professionally attractive. Yeah. So like you take pictures of them walking down the street, they still look good no matter what. Right. You know? and, and we as consumers, as mediated, you know, as a mediated culture, we're drawn mm. to that. And there's an in, there's an industry around their existence that is a lot of money and so sure. it's unfair that they are such so scrutinized it's like i have bad days all the time but no one's going to write up about it whereas an actor might have a bad day and then it's right. like well he's a horrible person it's like is he you know I don't, <laughs> or you, you know? step out of the house and everything you decide to wear just to get like the mail right is like yeah. scrutinized so do it's, you how involved were you in the in the casting process uh i mean very okay <laughs> it was it was a very casting was very difficult on our film for a lot of reasons i think the roles were kind of tough um but i met with a lot of actors a lot of young actors and then the, the older couple was a little bit more challenging but I, it was very hard um for a lot of reasons you know again it's like there's an element of trust with and i was an untested element that's mm-hmm. like so you know the actors have to be kind of willing to take a leap with someone who might not know what they're doing yeah. uh how and, did and you so it was conversations it was it sounds like it was meals or coffees or whatever like it was it did you send them the script did you send them like kind of things to like tonally that you were thinking about like what was kind of part of your pitch package for a for a like it, when you're approaching like Liana and Noah, like there would be the scripts would be a one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I made a lot of like lookbooks. I'm very, uh, very like a sponge. And like, I, I kind of with beach house and with, with this new one that I'm working on now, everything is revolves around the beach house. So like everything right. I'm watching, if there's like a five minute moment that could work, I'm writing it down. If there's an actress that I see in some other bit part or in something else, they go on the list. I just make these long, long lists. And then our produce- yeah, of <laughs> course. I mean, that's, that's the way you got to do it. And yeah. then, then of course all that goes out the window when you start shooting right. and you just hope that other people remember it. It's too. in it's there. Like, it's in I there. I showed somewhere. you this. Yeah. Why does it not look like that? You know? <laughs> um, but then that, that was, it was, um, our producers were, you know, they would have their two cents on actors they liked and disliked. And I zoomed, it was before zoom. So I think I Skyped with some actors uh-huh. and if they were local to New York, kind of convenient where I could meet them. I think you not being in New York or LA would be challenging though. Everyone is much more used to zoom than, than we are, than we were before. Yeah. Um, with ours, the, the interesting, the, I think the lucky thing was that I'm from like the same hometown area as Mark mm-hmm. Lucas and Allison and Rachel, actually all three of them from the cast, but Rachel didn't come on until early. And we had Mark and Allison then attached very early on, like when we, we shot a proof of concept with them and stuff. And I think having them both already like attached 
mm-hmm. like it, that gave us because Adrian was a big fan of Mark's. Like she had watched him in uh, he was in this show called uh, Necessary Roughness that she really liked, and so mm-hmm. she was kind of a fan of Mark. So having yeah, coming from the same hometown uh, worked worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, where what hometown is it? Uh, so like Erie, Pennsylvania is where we're where we're all close. Like we all live about we grew up about 15, 20 minutes away from each other, hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. So then it kind of became because we're trying to start like a, a little film industry here too as well. So that became part of the story was like, we're going to bring talent back home and hire local. Mm-hmm. And that, that helped us a lot with like invest local investment. Cause we were the first film like Erie's very green for film production and investment. So it was, it was an educational process of like this is investing in a film and this is how it works. And yeah, it was like a long process of going through a, we, we approached uh, 200 uh, private investors and 30 of them said, yes, that's how we got funding. Wow. That's tough. That's like Europe. That's like how they finance it's things nuts. in Europe. It's nuts. The, um, the, and Pennsylvania has a good tax credit too. Right? Yeah. Yep. That's another thing. That's yeah. Um, so for you, know, you, I, you, you had like how many meetings? I don't know if you want to say, but like, how long was your process of kind of finding the, your cast? Would you well, say the, your the, two, well, your two leads? I guess. I mean, that took a while. We we had some close calls with other actresses that didn't work out for some reasons. Mm-hmm. Like there was once the clock starts ticking and you get kind of closer and closer to the shoot date. Like there was there was an English actress that I really liked, but she it was like her green, you know, the green card wouldn't get worked out in time. Uh, and it was really, and that's where kind of, you know, your location's falling through and you find something better that it all just led us to Liana, yeah. who was just, you know, she was really, really great for She's us. She's in some and, stuff like, like that I've recognized, right? Like if I stay the best of me, she was in a Nicole Kidman and Nick Cage movie. Well, uh, she, she's been acting since she was like, you know 10 so she's got a decade and and she's, and she's a very, young she's young she's in yeah. her like what lower 20s or something I think. I think she was 22 or 23 when we shot and yeah. Noah was Noah was around the same age uh Noah's father's an actor so he kind of he's kind of grew up around it uh Noah and I just when I met with Noah I, I got along with him immediately and that was just like that's another thing for me was like it was very important that I could kind of like connect with with yeah. the actors on a personal level and of course that luxury went away we cast Noah. you know it was like maybe we didn't have too much time before we started shooting but he was the first cast oh, okay it, it was just an immediate uh he's a he's a musician and he really loves music so we can uh-huh. and he's a big film guy so it's like we could talk film. that's cool um and yeah his, his pro- character man he he walks that line of like being cre- like I was I'm like, man, he's a creeper, you know, like some of the time. And then he's obviously he's with this girl, yeah. you know, and he's trying to hook up and stuff. I, I thought that you had an interesting mix and dynamic going between those two for, for sure. Because I wasn't done- sure if I, I liked him or not, you know, because I kind of like was was with her and like on, on her side and her experience. And, you know, that's what came yeah. across to me. And I thought that that... Um, dynamic worked well <laughs> thank you i mean he's uh um randall's not a sympathetic character uh, i don't think that all characters have to be sympathetic sure, you know that's yeah. a, that's like a executive criticism For, where yeah. they're like well i don't like anybody and it's like well look at um 
the hangover you know uh bradley cooper's character steals money from his students that's not a likable character <laughs> right. but but the actor makes it likable and yeah. noah is nothing like randall at all like he's not like yeah. that. and I, I think that's a testament to his performance that people don't like him for sure like, when is he gonna die you know <laughs> but but that was to me there was something that was a more kind of a thematic through line about relationships you know i didn't love to me in movies is is very simplistic it's usually just the initial you know it's either like the initial feeling of love of mm. of you know this romantic love of of you you don't know, say anything or the yearning for, for sure. pining for this this object of your affection and then or it's like the other end where the relationship's at its at its end yeah and and for me personally you know i i think that love is is much more complicated and beautiful in in kind of the the length of it and the density of it and so i wanted a a glimpse of that you know it was we were talking before about deep history and, and deep time i wanted a glimpse of a, a time in a relationship that's not the romantic and not necessarily the outs but a, a moment of ambiguity where liana's character is really dealing with change i mean the whole movie is a massive metaphor for change mm -hmm. and and that was she it's like what you know am i am i with him or am i not i don't know and like i think that to me was something that Am I, I going to throw it all away? <laughs> is, know, is he bad? I mean, yeah. you know, he says he loves me. Like, what does that mean? Does yeah. that, is it, should I sacrifice my future for, for his, his dreams, which seem, you know, a beach house to me is aspirational. You know, you, yeah. that's what, if, if you can have a beach house, you can have a house you can get away to you've won, you've done something right, you know? Yeah. And so I think that, you know, everyone in some of the some of the peanut galleries where they're like, why would she ever be, you know, with this guy? And it's like, well, you know, I think there is something seductive about right. being with somebody who can offer you comfort in that in that way. And I think there is there is something comfortable about a house in the, in Cape Cod. It's yeah, know, it's great. That's the dream life. And me being um, like, you know, big eco eco guy, um, I was like, well, why why are we like destroying the the fucking planet? You know, <laughs> like that that's why I thought that kind of stuff was interesting. Of like, you know, kind of like the whole throwing it all away. I mean, whether you intentionally, you know, intended the natural elements to to kind of echo um, that symbolism, I thought, you know, kind of the root of of. Uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but, but the root of the uh, the connections, some of the connections and the scenes and the horrific elements with nature, I thought um, kind of played into that irresponsibility in a way. Yeah, in terms of people's irresponsibility towards climate change and or yeah. towards a, towards everything. Yeah, towards, every everything you know. and and yeah, every I guess everything, each other well, and our surroundings, you know. This I mean that, that in we live on. your film, it's very explicit about the you know the financial choices that are that people are in dire straits and they make choices that are detrimental ultimately to their well being and the well being of those around them. Which is, I think, a, a the broader question in in America is you know the end justifies the means. That's right. I, I think that's a question that we're seeing not just in terms of environmental but also on an individual level. I mean, you know, look at. Uh, you know, um, Harvey Weinstein, you know, somebody whose films politically generally I agree with, you know, yeah. I like Miramax and, and his films are progressive in that yeah. sense, but it's like he skirted his career by being, you know, ho pretty horrible to yeah. people, you know, a monster. And, yeah. and, 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 but we, I think he got a pass because it was like the end justifies the means right. and he's a success. Yeah. And I think that it's not just in our industry, but I think in a lot of industries that, that question of, 
uh, the Machiavellian question of, of, you know, is the end justifying the means? I think that's a bigger problem in America, you know, yeah, sure. be, because it's, you know, it's like, well, as long as it makes money then, right. <laughs> but, but it's like, you know, the, the, there's, consequences. There the, consequences. There, and, and I think that that's something of responsibility for our actions is, mm-hmm. is, you know, something that I, I think in, in your film much more explicitly than, than in mine is, you know, the a, actions have consequences and uh, you know, yeah. Here, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Here we are in a pandemic. Great. <laughs> yeah. How do you think? Um, yeah. After you know, we're we're not through it yet, so I don't want to sound like uh, we're not all all the way through the pandemic. But how do you think horror? What do you think horror will be, generally speaking, or what do you think horror should be after living through a pandemic? Do you feel that the genre changes at all? Do you think uh, as a creative yourself, you know, I don't know what your projects are that you're working on now, but, um, you know, barring that you're doing a, a Zoom movie or, uh, you know. Hey, I, I love the <laughs> Zoom movie on Shutter host yeah, during the pandemic. I heard it's great. I oh, my seen God. It you got to watch it. it it's really scary. Yeah, I heard they did <laughs> but, a great job. That, I mean, that's just, that movie is, you know, that's an outgrowth of Blair Witch, of found yeah. footage. So it's like the only constant is change. The genre is always changing. You know, it's it's I love the history of horror. You know, I think that. Uh, you know, I, I just watched the original Dracula, which I'd probably seen when I was a kid, oh, but wow, or yeah. the not even the original Dracula, you know, the 1930, 31 Bela Lugosi Dracula mm-hmm. and watching that. And I mean, that was also Beach House is very much an update of a science fiction film from the 50s. You know, they were at that time after the, you know, the, we were in the, the Cold War and, and the, you know, the atomic bomb ended the war. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that influenced a whole generation of filmmakers who were like, well, again back to the end justifying the means it's like what have we done what have we unleashed what does science what can science uh, unleash and that then goes back to frankenstein which is really you know one of the very first science fiction novels and it's horror as well so back to what genre is the beach house it's both science fiction and horror i i would like it to be viewed from a science fiction angle it's a horrific science fiction film right um but that the what you know the the questions of frankenstein are you know what are the limits of what mary shelley was even because it scared her that's mm-hmm. you know that that asked i think and the beach house goes back to you know what scares me and and i think that the feeling helpless and and feeling you know that of things being beyond our control which is on a macro you know environmental but on a micro also i think with conspiracy theories there's an element of, of people wanting to take control of of their lives. And I think that the genre, um, you know, I hope there's not a lot of pandemic films. Uh, I, I, right. I would hope that people can, I think we've lived through it and, you know, some moments to, for me during the pandemic were scarier than any, you know, any horror thing. Um, but you know, I will totally <laughs> take that experience and transmute it into sure. the next movie. Isolation sure. is scary, right? Like, and you have, you know, isolation plays a, a big part in the beach house too. You know, they're yeah. they're they're like at an off season point, right? So you have that that feeling of isolation yeah. for that's also necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> I, I mean, we scout. But it works. But it works. You know, the whole thing being alone help help not being right around the corner necessarily is a scary thing. Like being trapped in our houses during the pandemic, you know, then all of a sudden you're in your head because you've cut down like a lot of the noise from the outside world. That can be that can be scary, right? Yeah. Well, I and I think that the, the, we're the isolation of, of of the worlds we're creating in these 
in our bubbles. I think mm-hmm. that's something that to me is interesting. That's, that's where I would, I would want to go with, with horror and, yeah. and where, you know, your the screens that you're watching and how they're, they're influencing you and what are the voices in my head, you know, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you know, the, vo- the voices that aren't really there, but they're kind of there. Right. Uh, but I mean, that's also like isolation. I remember when I did, I was telling you about that movie I did in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and I was, you know, locations, you're the first wave of offense. So I was, and it was low budget. So I was like the one man band. I was the whole department and I was staying in this house that was going to become our production office that was in the middle of nowhere. And I remember being in this big house by myself and just like, I heard something and I was like, you know, it's something, if someone's in here with me, like the cops aren't coming. Like right. I, I gotta, what, you know, you gotta what, figure it what, out. You're on your own, man. Yeah. So I think I grabbed a golf club and I was like, well, this, <laughs> this should work. You know, um, But that, you know, the, the isolation of it too, it, it's, I mean, that, I think to me as a writer, it was very hard because, you know, cell phones and cars get you out of a lot of jams. And yeah. so there was an element of trying to think about, you know, this, where the cell phone plays in, cause she does have a cell phone, but it kind of, I mean, they leave it on the beach, uh, which some people, you know, once you get to the peanut gallery, they're like, why didn't they just call? You right. know, it's like, well, they left it on the beach. They didn't go back down there. Right. Uh, but you know, that's the, Again, people, it happens. They're taking drugs, man. You know, you got you got a good out there. Every everybody is like, you know, tripping but that was out. A, that was. A, I mean, you know, they didn't quite know what they were taking. It was maybe the dose. Maybe they were, you know, the dose is a little bit high. But also, you know, they were they were breathing it in. So yeah, there's it, stuff blowing in. Also, masking, you know, what they were seeing. So that was like another aspect of not quite knowing what was going on. And that yeah. that scene was kind of based on something that happened to my grandfather, which was weirdly enough, there was a really? gas leak in a cabin, and he got sick in the middle of the night and and had to go to the bathroom and threw up when he got outside and realized that they were all getting asphyxiated. So he got everybody Holy out. So that shit. was an invisible, you know, uh, yeah. an invisible thing, visible monster of exactly. Of sorts. exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's that's terrifying. Yeah. So it's in the beach house. I yeah. blame my parents. It's all their fault. It's yeah. all their fault. They know this. I, I've told them many times. <laughs> Was it a, a set when the um, when the woman, I'm trying to think of her name, Jane, I think yeah. it is, when she goes outside, was that a set or did you, because the lighting there is really interesting and you, you know, you're playing around mm-hmm. again with like a lot of foggy elements and stuff. I'm, cu- I'm curious. Um, that, I don't think I, I, that would necessarily spoil something, right? If we no, talk no, no, a little no. bit and about that. It's been out for a year. We yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> um, the, uh, that was not, that was a, that was a, um, a forest near where we were shooting. It was oh, like a cool. kind of a little ravine. Uh-huh. That in, in particular is something that had I to do it over again, like we shot night for night with that. And then I worked on, uh, um, uh, the Dead Don't Die, the Jim Jarmusch film. Oh, okay, and, cool. And that whole movie was shot day for night. So uh-huh. there's no actual night. There is, I mean, we did shoot late on some things, but all the exteriors were day for night. Day for night. And I was really, I think the DP, Owen, uh, we talked a lot about day for night and I was really against it. I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to shoot during night. Like it's night, it's dark, you know? Yeah. But then seeing, then going you saw it happen. Uh-huh. And, and the the challenges that kind of came from shooting at night exterior, yeah. uh, especially on a budget, is super super tricky. And so, uh, it, had I had I known then what I know now, I probably would have shot that sequence differently. But I do like some of the shots. I think look really great. And mm-hmm. again, that's another thing. It's like fo- hit 
fog with a light it does weird things so you right. know, we start we start getting into that but uh yeah that was one of the last things we shot actually i kind of want to ask you what you're working on now i'm just i'm curious if you can share anything like um i can't but hopefully which, a year from which, now you'll you'll see another movie from me <laughs> i'll just leave it that way yeah that's that's good um, until until day one i'm always like if nothing is set in stone yeah until like well day are you one. writing are you writing it it's work i'm collaborating on okay. something okay <laughs> all right all right all right gotcha. it's it's so i actually i'm not trying to get it out of you. i know i i just got a text while we were talking that's pertaining <laughs> to it so i'm like oh i don't want to say anything but uh yeah we're i'm i'm hoping uh you know in a year from now you'll see another one from me you know this was my my and dorota's first like feature with a professional cast and crew um what, this was what, your I'll answer your question, but what yeah, would sure. you what would you say? What would you what would you do differently, or what what did you what was the biggest lesson you learned? Uh, we got we got burned on a on a couple crew decisions that I hmm. think in future I know that I need to not just take um, somebody's recommendation that I trust hmm. as a hundred percent. I need hmm. to also do my due diligence. And make sure that um, I'm on the same page with some of the some of the people I hire. I think that's that's a big one for sure. And then, um, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest one. That was that was the toughest part. Was like you know having having a, a couple couple key roles down uh, at the beginning. You know, mm. and we were we were director. I was writer, director, producer, and mm. Dorota was director producer. Once you put on that producer hat like Dorota said you know the next one she will not produce like she just wants to direct and I totally understand that because um yeah I it would be great if someone else could write it to be honest and it would be great if somebody else could produce it I'm writing a couple things now that mm -hmm. um you know I I would be fine with directing I I think I could be um I could take that producer hat off for sure, no doubt, in a heartbeat. If I had somebody like your producers, or you know, some somebody that would that would play that role, I think that would be another thing too. On um, for sure, it's a lot of hats. We'll put a, we'll put a plug in some of that, and we'll talk off the record. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't get it. I don't. I, I was not a producer on Beach House, but I think I did because of my background. It was like the the locations aspect of it was very much on me whereas i think another director uh would not have been doing what i what i'm doing and, no that, and that was a, but again that's like any other role you have going into it you have to take from that and that's just money that you're saving in a way you know we had a location manager who was a friend of mine and he had some connections to the cape and and our producer had some connections his father had some really good connections to the cape but didn't not in a way where it's like, here's our house, you can go shoot there. There were still negotiating and still all that. Um, but some things that I just know about kind of, you know, location. I mean, you could just drop me any place and I could find you location. So that that really helped. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the the advice for the low budget filmmaker is just like, first of all, I, I still, I really think don't listen to anybody. I think that even people with the best of intentions can really kind of maybe knock you off course. For sure. They'll uh, tell you, you'll hear no a lot, right? <laughs> just not the no, even some yeses sometimes are, are, are the wrong thing. It's like, if you uh -huh. see something that you want to like do, 
just just tr- do it do it put your head down and just go it's like what was that Shia LaBeouf thing like, go do it but it, it, I mean there's some truth to it because mm-hmm. I think that you know ambiguity not, not that's not the right indecisiveness I think can really really be detrimental to doing creative things and mm-hmm. I, I I really like that you guys are starting a film community that's not in New York or LA yeah. I mean I live in New York I've lived here for a long time but I really am sick of every movie or TV show is set in New It's like, how many more times are we going to see a single person trying to make it in New York city? It's like, that's so, it's so, it's so boring. You know, I'm so tired of it. And (laughs) I really want to learn about the love life of somebody, you know, not in New York city. And I Mm want to see those places. I want to see what other aspects of America are. You know, Mm -hmm. I know New York very well and it's on. We all do. (laughs) You all do. And you're sick of it. You know, I think that's another aspect of of some of the divisions in our country right now is that the the mediated landscape is so um, coastal and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, for sure. Yeah. And I, and I am coastal, but I'd rather see, you know, let's, let's see some more interesting films out of places that aren't, you know, that don't always get the spotlight. I would right. love to, I would love to see that. I'm from the Midwest originally. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if you want to see a movie set in Indiana, but sure. <laughs> <you know. laughs> There's Absolutely. no tax credit there. So no one's going to film there. Right? <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So, so I would say that. And also I think the more you can do yourself, especially on the low budget range, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the more people you get involved, that is usually, you know, you, your favors with your friends. To me, it's like, you get a couple free days out of them and then you start taking advantage of them. So uh, the more you can do yourself, the better. And and yeah. I found that out also on, on this, there was a lot of stuff that I just wound up kind of shooting on my own with art. My DP was great. And he would, you know, come over and, you know, we'd have a beer and, and shoot for six hours, shoot inserts or shoot dust mm-hmm. or shoot abstract things. Uh, and I really, and that's like, I also found that I like being able to film like water, for an hour and not have the clock ticking, yeah. not have an actor waiting and just being like, let's just really find the right bubble. You know, yep. it's like, yep. I love that. I, I, I like kind of the mad scientist aspect of, of, you know, uh, hopefully someday I'll have a, a stage where I, we can really make some gory, you know, gnarly shit and film that for six hours. Oh, there's I some love. pretty gnarly. There's some gnarly shots in in the beach house for sure. The, <laughs> the, the, the worm scene is yeah. that, that was, uh, uh, we knew when we were shooting it and I, that that was like it was our editor's favorite scene to put together the I score <laughs> i our composer really his pass at it was like the first pass it, nothing else was like one pass done and yeah. it was like it was very the, uncomfortable very uncomfortable yeah and it, was, it, it was well done <laughs> thank you Li- liana kills it she was phenomenal in that. yeah the it's setup like, is good like the way she plays it is good like it works yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking just, about it right now and I'm the cringing. stars lined up. <laughs> yeah. The kids, the kids love that scene. You know, even like in the screenings, that was like the one moment where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, we got him. We got yep. him, dad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well done. Seriously. Thank you. Yeah. And it's uh, something, it's something different, you know, it's something new. It's a new spin on something, which to, to your point that you're saying, you know, seeing different stories uh, is good and it's okay to, it's okay to surprise our, our audiences, right? Yeah, I and our that, genre fans give them give them a little little different taste. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge horror fan, but my taste I would not inflict upon anybody. You know, some movies that I really like, I, I'm sure other people don't. And then, you know, there's a, a campy aspect of horror that I don't totally get. Although I love the Love Witch, which is an extremely campy. Uh, I movie. like the Love Witch. Yeah, yeah. Oh my, I love yeah. it. I like. I've yeah. watched that movie so many times. I don't yeah. know. It's just like 
I can't wait to see what she does. Yeah, next. I was gonna say. I hope. I hope she's working on something. Something oh, else. She's give good. her twenty million. I'd love to see what she could do with twenty yep. million dollars. Yeah. But you know, twenty million dollars comes with a bunch of stu- a bunch of studio decisions. Notes. So, <laughs> uh, it's just it's a different it's a different. I mean, as much as it's like oh we you know indie filmmakers we bemoan the studio system. You know, those guys love movies too. They're just sure. th- they they're dealing with with a lot of money, you know, right. and, and money, money comes with, even on smaller levels, like our film, you know, money comes with, there are concessions that are made with the money. You know, if I could finance it myself, I would, but I can't. So, yeah. th- so you're going to be working with other people that might not totally see what you're trying to do. But right. fortunately on ours, they liked all the gnarly and all the weird that none of our, our later disagreements or what, what have you, had to do with the gnarly or the weird. They were on board with that from the get-go. And That's that was good. fortunate. That was very yeah. fortunate. Yeah, very much. Yeah, cool. I worry like with ours that, may, you know, like one of our most memorable uh, scenes, um, yeah, I would have been worried that it, that would have been cut or something. <laughs> but it's kind of, it's one of those things though that that when there's a big moment like that, hopefully they've read the script. Uh, right. And so, so you know that, what you're getting into. Right? That cut would have come in before, you know, that argument would have been having had not on set. It would have happened a while ago. Right. Um, yeah. So, that you know, that's, that's what you hope. And it's something that's that big. Like, how did you miss that? You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't quite work. Do you think that, um, that it's beneficial that you have a diverse background working on um, different roles as far as then stepping into like the director leadership role. Do you think that gives you um, a perspective on on set that, um, you know, maybe you can be more understanding to different positions on the crew that maybe somebody that's only been a director, you know, might, I guess what I'm saying is it is it beneficial maybe for young filmmakers starting out to not be afraid to like work the PA, you know, be in the art department, like work locations. Like, do you think there's a benefit to having those perspectives? Well, coming from someone who's done locations for 20 years, I would I would hope <laughs> I don't think it's a, I don't I would not advise my path at all. Uh, hmm. I think I made a lot of mistakes and that's a whole other zoom conversation um but it led me to this point which you know everyone's path is different um i I only think that the more you know can only help it because production is is a it's a method of efficiency it's it's you know you're spending money that's what production is it's essentially a way to spend money efficiently quickly and sometimes with some directors that i've I've worked with a lot of on indie films a lot of first-time directors and even experienced directors who are kind of doing a low budget movie after they've done a bigger budget movie, um, they just don't get the results that they want when they're, when they don't have any experience in anything mm-hmm. else, they don't understand. Well, why can't I put a camp? Why can't I throw a camera off the Brooklyn bridge? Right. They won't let you, you can't do They will not let you do that. You know, like, yeah. well, but that's the whole thing. You know, there, that's the whole scene. And it's like, well, you're not going to do that. So you're going to have to figure something else out. Yeah. And I, I think if you, if you're completely naive or naive is not the right word, but like if you're only a director, but again, if you get some powerful producer behind you who can provide that type of cushion mm-hmm. that, that your, you know, creative instincts can be nurtured, there could be, you know, the best film ever made could come out of that. I don't, right. I don't know, you know, Orson Welles, you know, he made the best film ever when he was 25. So right. 
far be it for me to tell somebody who's never PA'd before that they're not going to make a good movie. I think it helped. I think it can help, you know, to see kind of what the structure of it is like, um, you know, but then I, I love David Cronenberg and reading about his first movie where he was like, I didn't, he's like, my first production meetings were a mixture of bluff, you know, it's like, <laughs> he didn't know what was going on and, yeah. and his movie still worked. His, his creative thrust was strong enough that it didn't matter that he didn't know what an AD did. He overcame you know? and, and all the, all the walls. <laughs> he, I mean, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, he's very, very, very smart. He's a genius. You know? Yeah. And, and, but, but also he, it wasn't just that he was a genius in his bedroom. He could communicate that and he could mm -hmm. express that to people who'd be like, I know what you mean. We're going to do it this way. And then, yeah, that's right. You know, it is a collaboration. You know, um, I just read about some, some indie film that the, the filmmakers, like there were three people on the crew, you know, and, and that was it. You can absolutely make a movie that way. You could, the best movie ever made could be made that way. You know, I, far be it for me to dictate how somebody makes something good and, yeah. and the avenues now there's so many ways. So um, it can't hurt to have experience, but you know, too much experience turns you into cranky. So <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> it's all right to be a little cranky. Yeah. It's, it's all right. You know. It depends. It depends on where you are. <laughs> if, if you're drinking at the bar, sure, you can be cranky. But if you're on set, you might want to be a little bit nicer. That's true. Yeah. Good point. Well, man, this has been a great talk, Jeff. I, sure. I really appreciate your time um, so much. Cinema Activist is produced by Lion's Den Productions. Hosted by John C. Lyons. Music by Tony Gray. Support the efforts of Lion's Den Productions by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Lion's Den Productions. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon.